hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. With Will Anderson. Gee, I, I, you know what? I've been stumbling a little bit on the intro of late and uh, I probably should have come up with something. I could just say hello, really. I don't even need to say the title. People have downloaded the podcast, but this is a bonus episode. I've started doing these, Susie. Susie Yusuf is here. Hello. Um, uh, because what I wanted to do was A, because sometimes I'll have to do, you know, a bunch of interviews in my downtime. Mm. You know, if I have a week off touring or whatever, I try to like do a bunch of records for this. Yeah. And so some of them don't come out exactly when I've talked to the person. And I thought, you know what? I want to do a separate plug podcast to talk to them about the thing that they're doing because that's normally why someone will come and talk to me because they're doing it's something. the only reason. Well, it's mostly the only okay. reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, again, this is, I, I hope you've been informed. It's a free podcast. You're not getting paid for this. So this is the plug. This is the yep. getting paid for it. And, but you're doing something particularly interesting at the moment that I definitely wanted to talk to you about specifically, which is uh, you are working in the theatre. I am. I'm, I'm pretending to be an actor. That's double acting you're right acti- there. You're acting as an actor? I am at the moment. Oh, man, look at the layers of her performance. I know. She doesn't stop. She's clearly a non-actor pretending to be an actor and then the actor is playing the part. And she's fooled us all. She has. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing a play called Home I'm Darling with uh, Melbourne Theatre Company. Um, how this came apart. I just have no idea, but it's the best fun. I'm loving it. So what? Uh, so what style of play is it? Like, what is it? A, a two act? Is it a one act play? Is it a? Um, how long does it go for? How big is your role? Tell me something about it. <laughs> it's a two act play. It's yep. a British comedy. Have to do a a, um, a London kind of a standard English accent, uh, which we had a dialect coach, which was that was the best part for me. Just mm. working with a dialect coach and her just looking at my mouth, going, "Why." Are you so lazy? Like, just move your mouth. Um, Is that an Australian thing, the laziness of mouth? Yeah, and she never said that, to Mm. be totally honest. She just, just the way that we use our mouths is so Mm. different to the way the British use their mouths and their tongues and just Mm. things that I had no idea about. I don't think my dad has ever moved his lips. No. In a conversation, he's he's a dairy farmer from East Gippsland. And he doesn't need to. And I think he just talks like this and he has done for his entire life. Yeah. He essentially talks like he's a bad ventriloquist. (laughs) Or a very good one. (laughs) But um, yeah, so this is is what's been taking up my time, why I'm living in Melbourne at the moment. And um, it's a great play. It's very funny, written by Laura Wade. (gasps) And um, uh, my part is... My part, see, I think my part's quite big. Mm. Um, but m- when my family came to see it, they weren't. They were like, "You're not on stage very much." I'm like, "Well, compared to an hour of stand-up where it's just mm. me, I can understand that." <laughs> um, but but at this point, you know, the last play that I did was I played a man. Mm. I had a beard and um, and a moustache, uh, a fake one, and I um, <laughs> and I was not. I didn't say very much at all. So like, this feels like a huge uh, step up as far as dialogue goes. And in a show like this, what's the rehearsal period for something like this? How long do you actually rehearse before you put it together? It's like six weeks. It's mm. about six weeks full time. And we did it over Christmas. So we did six days a week because we had Christmas off. Um, and I'm a bit of a like nerd, a bit of a theatre nerd who loved being in a rehearsal room talking about what the meaning is behind all this stuff. And going home feeling like I was, you know, leaving English class. I was a, I was that kid in high school that was obsessed with a book and would live it and breathe it and find anything, everything about, you know, all of it. So, yeah, I've loved it. Um, what about the, you know, just I was speak, speaking to Ross Noble uh, on that very couch the other day and he was talking about the fact that he did, you know, a, a musical. He did Young mm. Frankenstein, yep. you know, on the West End. And he was talking about the difference between doing, you know, like you said, your own solo show where you're on stage for the entire thing versus doing an ensemble piece where you're yeah. just part of a cast and an ensemble 
in regard to how you feel about the performance, is it a very different feeling beforehand, during, afterwards than doing your own solo stuff and stand-up stuff? It's so great. It's really lovely collaborating. I, I guess in this case, because mm. it's such a great cast and we all love each other. Um, and I, I just remember sitting backstage, especially in the, the, when I first started doing stand-up and having that intense fear. I mean, you're by yourself. I would often befriend the sound guy just so I would stand at the desk for a little while beforehand and talk to someone. So I would go crazy. I would shake furiously. My knees used to like, I, I danced at the beginning of my first show, not because I wanted to have a dance in the show, but because I couldn't think of a way to stop my knees from shaking. I mean, that's pretty good on the spot though. Yeah. Just dance into it. I did. I, yeah. I just like, keep that music yeah. going, sound boy. And then I just yeah. kept on dancing and then it became part of the show. That's how Elvis started. Elvis yeah. was also a very <laughs> was, nervous performer. He was a he nervous goes, I've just got to lean into this. You know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I've got to get a guitar and do some songs. And he and couldn't lean into this. He couldn't stop his voice from shaking, so he just started singing. <laughs> it's the whole thing. No one knows that. I'm glad we finally said it. <laughs> um, so collaborating with other people is something that you enjoy. I mean, you've done a, a range of collaboration in your career. It's not like yeah. you're a, you know, entirely solo performer anyway. No. But um, do you have a preference between the two or do you like having a balance of the two in your life? Is there a period of time where you do something that's collaborative and then you're like, all right, I'm sick of this now. I just need to go and do a thing where it's just me and I get to make all the decisions. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a pendulum that constantly Mm. swings between I want to do everything myself and I never want to be by myself again. Just that's... When I'm, in, when I'm in the middle, in the thick of a stand-up like, season and things are going well, I'm like, this is all I ever want to do. And then by the end of Fuck that... Fuck splitting the money with other people. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm so portable and I'm making so much sweet cash. Um, not at and all. my parents are impressed how long I'm on stage. <laughs> how does she remember all those dick jokes? Um, yeah, that's what they're thinking the whole time. Um, yeah, but then... Then there does get it. There it gets to the point, especially on a bad night, mm. where you're like, I just want someone else to blame. I don't want it to just be me. It's got to be someone who will, you know, go on this go on this trip with me. And that's what I really love. Like on a, on a bad night in theatre, you still have a bunch of people that you really like, if you're lucky, um, that you're hanging out with, and you can kind of have a drink with someone afterwards, and they don't feel obliged like all of the sound guys that I've ever worked with. Plus, you didn't write it. I didn't write it. So if it doesn't work, it's not your not totally. your Totally. That's that's the worst part. That's one of the worst parts of stand up is that if they don't like the show, they don't like you. You. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if they don't like the play. I'm like, yeah. It's like it's a piece of shit. I don't know why I'm yeah, doing it. Run. Exactly. That's it. Gotta eat, mate. Yeah. Actors gotta act. Gotta act. Gotta act like an actor. Um, so what about the day itself? Because I was very interested when, uh, and thank you for agreeing to do this, by the way. But it's so funny in my mind how much more precious I was about your time while, while you're in a play than I was about asking a stand-up to come and do like, the <laughs> podcast. Like, I, I would ask a stand-up to come and do this on the day of their stand-up performance when yeah. they're on stage for the whole time and it's all about them yeah. without thinking about it. But because you were doing a play, I was like, oh, I wonder what her day is like. Maybe she needs to get herself into some sort of play zone. Like, I don't know if you have some... Because it's a re- it's yeah. doing a play is a bit like having a regular job for a while. Yeah, right? totally. Except you flip your timetable and you're up until three a.m. drinking whiskey to try and fall asleep, which maybe that's how people with day jobs fall asleep. I don't know, um, but it is. It's, it's very different. Um, <clears throat> it's different to stand up uh, mindset. Yeah, maybe I, I've been pretty precious with my time. Mm. You do get exhausted, and the adrenaline dump is a little bit 
worse when you're doing a play because you're on stage for like the play goes for two and a half hours mm. so afterwards it takes me ages to wind down and i have been drinking a lot of whiskey it's been really it's been that sort of a, a season not a bad one mm. but just one where i've been drinking to fall asleep um not recommending that by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination um but yeah the day is i mean we do eight shows a week mm. um wednesdays and saturdays are two show days and do you notice in um, it like because yeah, in stand up, you know, you end up having after years of doing stand up, you have all these theories about different nights of the week, and mm. you know, like I don't like a Friday early show. Friday early shows tend to suck because like people have had a whole big week at work, but they're not quite, you know, they, they've got yeah, Friday yeah. afternoon drinks and then they're coming to the show, but their week isn't really over. They can't relax until the show's done yep. whereas on like a Saturday night they've had a relaxing day they come to a show it's you know oh you, totally you have all these theories does that translate to theatre audiences as well I don't think I have done enough to mm. know I, over this season you know we've said you know the Wednesday matinee is usually quite an elderly right. crew and with this particular play they are loving it so the matinees have been lovely um, and then Saturday nights have been a bit rough, mm. but I think that's because you spend the most money on a Saturday night and similar to comedy is that you're like, you better be giving me bang for my buck. Yeah. Like I'm not leaving with that much money out of my pocket if you haven't made me laugh or cry or whatever. Whereas the oldies at the Wednesday matinee are just happy to be doing something. They're just happy to be doing like, it. This is nice. Went, Do you sort, of, went sort of play. My mum, my mum and dad came. Dad really loved it. I don't know how mum felt about it, um, but she did say to me at one point, afterwards because i just couldn't get it out of her it just was like did you like it or not i thought it might have been triggering for her because um it's a play about you know the place that women have you know in the world and you know she's been a housewife for much of her life and it kind of discusses that and whether it's a choice or not and, or, anyway she said to me oh you know i did find it very sad and i said oh okay and she said just looking around at all of the elderly people in the room and i was like so not the play and she goes no no no, just the audience i was like why were you watching the audience first of all and second of all why so sad like that's isn't that a great thing that there's a whole bunch of elderly people out and she was like no I just kept thinking about that that will be me now my my mom's 68 that is her like she's she just has this disconnect between who she is and the people that she's well, watching a play with like when I'm an old person when I'm an old play. person I'm you like, are you are, are an old person you are. Play. your and life will be like this was this it is, fine <laughs> it's been so weird since that moment. She just won't talk to me properly about it. Yeah. But I see, I would have been a bit like you, whereas I would have been like, oh, this is lovely. It yeah. reminds me that when I'm older, I can do things like go to the play, go to a play in the middle of the day. That's exactly what I'll be doing. Yeah. Like, I, I hope so anyway. Yeah, she's a strange woman. Um, how do your parents feel about your career choice? Are they supportive of it? Are they enthused by it? My dad's an accountant mm. and theatre is not as lucrative as some of the other choices I've made in my life. Mm. And so I think that they are happy for me that I'm happy, but they're also like, what about those other gigs that make you more money? And I'm like, mm. yeah, I think that they, I think they're happy. I think they're still a bit perplexed as to why I'm doing it. I don't think they're quite, I, I'm sure they're on what board. What do you think that their understanding of, like, I mean, I know this, I'm asking you to speak for them a little bit, but yeah. what do you think their understanding of what, what, why you're doing it is? I think that they, I, I, I'm pretty sure they think that I've been bitten by something <laughs> and that I can't help doing it. It's mm. like it happened a little while ago yep. and now it's like a, it's a reaction to mm. that. It's a compulsion. Of yeah, it's a compulsion now. that I can't help doing mm. it. But I, I think because when I first started doing anything creative, 
I was much happier than what I had been beforehand. And they were like, oh, something's going on here. So even though they're terrified, mostly for the financial side of things, they're also like, you seem like this is is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I I was always suspicious that I had a brain tumor that rested on a part of my brain that made me happy. And so that would be a good thing. Like whenever I went through periods of being, this is the problem. This is a huge problem in my life is that if anything goes poorly, I'm like, I'm okay with the struggle. But if anything goes well, I think there must be something bad behind it. Interesting. Where where do do you think? I I empathize with that a little bit, by the way. Yeah. Like, you know, I... I felt so weird just saying that out loud, to be honest. No, I I understand that. And I don't think that would be necessarily uncommon in performers Mm. even, which is... And I think particularly if you are drawn to some things that are a struggle in themselves, yeah. there's probably got to be a bit of you that is okay with the struggle or takes on the struggle as part of the challenge or whatever, because otherwise you would just go and do something easier. Yeah. You know, yeah. you would be naturally sinned out by the the toughness of the process. Yes. So it, I don't think that's an unusual thing. And I think the expectation, I mean, it's a little imposter syndrome really. Oh, you know, it's a neighbor of that, you know, which is yeah, yeah. that idea that, if this is good, there must be, I must have done something terrible or somebody else must have done something terrible or something terrible is coming. Yeah, something terrible is coming is usually the feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. What, what am I up the front of? Yeah, exactly. It's great I just got this gig at George Columbaris's restaurant, but what is... <laughs> Surely there's no catch. This is a perfect <laughs> <This> scenario. Is... <laughs> I'm just a sous chef full of dreams. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, uh, so, accountant is, yeah, okay. So, my grandfather had a dream for me that he wanted me to be an accountant. That okay. was his. He was an accountant? Uh, no, no. He okay. just thought that he had just decided in his mind that mm. that was a good, safe, you know, reliable, you know, job that you could be proud to yeah. have your grandkid have. And he died, yeah, kind of previous to me, you know, doing this for a living. So, he never saw... So I'm do this for this for a living. But thank I, goodness. I, yeah, thank God, because he just would have been so disappointed. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's going terribly from what I hear, Will. And your dad's a dairy farmer. A dairy farmer, that's right. What do you think he wanted for you? Um, uh, I think that uh, the great thing about my dad is that he never particularly, you know, pushed me in any direction. Mm. My parents are really good in that, like, absolutely show business was not you know, part of their dream for me yeah. in any way. Although when I reflect on it, I look back at the fact that when I was in my teenage years, my mum would make a great deal of effort to bring us down to the city to see a musical mm. or to, you know, go and, you know, see some live art or see some performance. And when I started getting interested in stand-up, she would, you know, drive me down to the city three hours to go and see, you know, a show oh, that nice I wanted that? to see. So... In retrospect, when mm-hmm. I think back, I think that she she might not have been, you know, when she was taking me to see Bill, Billy Connolly, thinking he's going to sit in this room tonight and go, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Because yeah. that's exactly what happened. Like yeah. I sat in a room at Billy Connolly with my mum and decided in that It took me ages then to go on and do it. But yeah. I remember that sitting in that audience that night at, at Hamer Hall or, mm. and, and just watching 3,000 people, you know, of all ages, just lo- loving this guy, you know, telling these stories and you're just being so outrageous. And I just thought it was the most exciting thing I'd ever seen in my life. And yeah. Now that I look back, if my mum had not wanted me to be excited about those things, it would have been very easy for her not to open that world up to me. Yeah. So I don't think they were sitting around thinking that it was what I was going to do. No. 
I think that probably they wanted someone to take over the farm, which is what my brother has ended up doing. So that took a lot of pressure off. Yeah. And they probably wanted grandkids. And my sister has four and my brother's got two. Nailed it. That's been done. Okay. And so I can, you know, I don't ask them for money and I just tell them silly jokes and they seem fine. (laughs) So good. Oh my God. You know. Thank goodness you're not an only child. Yeah. Oh, no. I I wouldn't have been able to do it if I was an only child. But. Out Which of the is, three, you know, if, if two of them have got kids and good, sensible, you know, jobs and lives, yeah, one, yeah. you can have one that's the... Well, that's maybe that's what my parents were doing, yeah. having six kids, is that they were like, oh, a couple of them are going to have kids, and like they have. There's a bunch of kids in our family, and one of my sisters is a lawyer. I feel like that's the, the most you can ask for as far as a successful, stable job goes. So, Where are yeah, you maybe in the, the six? I'm the fifth, so there's one younger than me. Okay. But she's significantly, she's five years younger than me and all the rest are like, a year, we're only about a year or two apart. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, fifth is about, like, yeah, that's about where you, you know, you, yeah. that's your entertainer. Yeah. You know. Almost definitely. Yeah. Because <laughs> I thought I was the youngest and so yeah. I behaved like a bit of an asshole. Yeah, you were the youngest childhood. for five years. Yeah, yeah. All the formative years of being the youngest and the traits of being the youngest, you were well I got them. the youngest. And then I got the yeah. struggle of a middle child by having a younger <laughs> sister. It was perfect. I'm so grateful she was born. She's really ruined my life in the best possible way. Um, we should uh, stop doing this because we've strayed into, you know, other yeah, bits of the podcast oh, yes. territory. So we will stop and we will start again. But uh, the play one more time is called? Uh, Home I'm Darling by Laura Wade at the Melbourne Theatre Company. And only until the end of Feb, I believe. Yep. So uh, if you want to see it, please go along and uh, see Susie uh, in the podcast. <laughs>